Welcome to the Mental Health Boot Camp Podcast. This is the podcast where four psychotherapists, three of us Canadian, one of us American, serve you cutting-edge mental health knowledge. I am Dr. Ryan Howes, a clinical psychologist from Pasadena, California. And I'm Dr. Brooke Lewis, a registered clinical counselor from Coquitlam. And I am Joanna Boyd, a psychotherapist from Port Moody, Greater Vancouver area. And I'm Chris Boyd, psychotherapist from Coquitlam. <laughs> All right. Do you guys actually use, you, you dropped the official names there. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I thought I'd mix it up, you know? Yes. Yeah, instead of the Vancouver area, or anyway. Co- so we're about 30, 30 minutes uh, east of Vancouver. Is, and the other town that's right there, is, is it Burnaby? Yep. Do you have any of you work there or live there, or is it just a I neighboring grew up city? There. You grew up yeah. there in Burnaby. Ah, okay. And, so, and Brooke and I own a, a wellness center there too. Yes. Oh, that's there. Yeah. Well, let's plug that. We have a wellness center for anybody who would like to come have a massage or Cairo, acupuncture, counseling. What else is there? Dietitian. And it's next to a gym. It's inside of a gym. So it's a very unique place. You wouldn't know it's there. It's in the basement of a high rise. There's no windows. It's very private, which a lot of clients like. Yeah. We got a smoking deal on rent. We got a really great deal on rent. Such a cool idea. I heard a lot, a lot of, a lot of wellness centers popping up. A lot of people integrating their, their health. Yeah. And people, people finally starting to realize that mental health care is part of health care and uh, we can wrap them all together, right? Mm-hmm. For so sure. That's, that's very cool. Great. Yeah, yeah. it gives a, ch- a chance to work in collaboration and, and uh, yeah, kind of a one-stop shop, right? Have you guys learned some things from your masseuse and acupuncture and chiropractic sort of uh, colleagues there? Do you guys compare notes or swap uh, health tips, all that? You know, when it comes to uh, massage therapy, I find it very intriguing because um, a lot of our RMTs mentioned that when they're doing some, uh, some of the massages, massages, sorry, um, the clients or patients start to emote. They start to um, there might be some tension or pressure, but also sometimes there's emotion, crying that can take place, right? So as we've talked about the, the mind-body connection, sometimes the, the discomfort and pain or possibly even trauma is, is locked up in the viscera of the body, right? And so not only is there emotion, but often a tendency to want to talk and, and catharsis that kicks in. And often the massage therapists don't really know what to do with that. Mm-hmm what to say, right? So I've had conversations about that and uh, it'd be very intriguing to do a bit of uh, a hybrid approach, you know, maybe incorporating the therapeutic work into the body work in some kind of capacity. So I was kind of intrigued in, about that. And, and I bet you it's gonna be a way of uh, maybe helping folks out with trauma in the future. Mm-hmm. Somehow bridging that. They do. There's something up here, I'm sure it's in the States as well, but craniosacral therapy and uh, massage therapists can go and get trained for craniosacral therapy, which has been known to be helpful for trauma. Um, It's it's different. It's not uh, really a body massage. It's cranial. So alignment of the head and the spine and micro movements to release and align. And when that happens, sometimes there can be a release of trauma. I'm not quite a hundred percent sure on how that works, but apparently it's effective. There are some studies about it. Yeah. So some of our massage therapists in the past have um, done that training and it's been very helpful for their clients. Yeah. Of course, we've talked about nutrition, so that uh, could be very helpful. How many clients walk into our offices and they say they feel like crap and then you find out they're basically eating like crap as well. 
Mm -hmm. So once you can stabilize that a bit, often they feel quite a bit better. And then uh, a lot of clients talk about the benefits of acupuncture as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I find all that stuff very interesting. I, I have zero training or really exposure to any of the uh, chiropractic stuff or the acupuncture. Um, I know that some folks, some of the more uh, hardcore scientific folks would throw some skepticism that way, say, ah, uh, maybe placebo effects, maybe it's not so, but, you know, I know that there's, there have certainly been studies done and, and uh, I don't know. I can just, I can't really comment further than that. I don't know what to, what to believe, but I know that a lot of people believe in it and have received a lot of help from that. Yeah, and they're registered. There's colleges and associations sure. for them. So for the insurance policies up here, they're, they're covered under insurance policies. Um, yeah, and even our ICBC, which is our motor vehicle insurance, covers it if you're in an accident, mm. cover acupuncture, chiropractic, massage, all of that. So there's a, there's definite benefit. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's our well, plug. There you go. Very cool. Glad to hear that uh, the wellness centers are taking off. So how are you guys doing? Everyone well? Indeed. Is your wellness okay? Yeah. Yep. We're uh, at the start of the week here, film, or recording this typically, we're usually at the end of the week. So it's a bit of a change, a bit of a throwing me for a loop here. It's a bit of a longer Tuesday than normal. So this is great. Yes. Switch things up. Just had a little, little bit of a, uh, of a scheduling bump here, but uh, people will be listening to this on Thursday, Friday. So as far as you know, we're recording on Thursday night. <laughs> but yes, we'll see what happens here with, uh, with a little different energy from a different night. So, oh. but, but hey, it's it's been wonderful here in the nice in Southern California. The uh, the weather's been changing, getting a little warmer. We have this nice kind of have pattern where it's it's kind of glooming, kind of kind of uh, cloudy in the morning, and then that burns off around noon, and we have a nice sunny afternoon. That's a really nice day. Is that so. like a term that is common? To glooming is that a Ryan term? Is that a California term? Uh, California term. We call it June June gloom. Oh, it's it's a go. common common thing here. Probably used other places as well, but I know at least here in Southern California, June gloom is a common occurrence at this time of year. Mm, sometimes we get January. <laughs> What's that? Where like it was weird. We had this awesome heat wave, but then three days after the heat wave, our furnaces kick on because it's high. Like it's actually quite cold out and rainy and dark. Or, three or mm. four days and yeah so then people say it's january <laughs> nice i think yours sounds better than ours that's good more creative sure june gloom come on well great we're hitting the stride of summer things are happening this is a great time to focus on mental health in fact if you have an interest in really focusing intensely on your mental health for say 25 days or so, you might want to check out the mental health boot camp, where for a half hour a day or so, there are exercises, things to read, things to listen to, things to watch, things to write, uh, things to do that will help boost your mental health. Uh, this is something the four of us put together a few years ago, and it can be found at mentalhealthbootcamp.com. And you can probably use a special code to get a discount. Right, Chris? That's right. Um, does anyone re recall what that code is? I think it's time for growth, isn't it? It's time for growth. Time for growth. Oh All in word. Better no double spaces. Check. <laughs> What's that? We better double check. <laughs> Make sure it's not like time for growth five or something <laughs> like that. Yeah. nickel. Pretty sure it's time for growth. I recall that from a little while back. But yes, check it out. You can buy it for yourself. You can give it as a gift uh, 
Father's Day is coming up. If you have a father or a father figure that you'd like to help uh, encourage boosting of mental health, mental wellness, then uh, it's a great gift idea. And it's only $39.99. If you use time for growth, you get what, 10, 20% off, something like that. So, So there we go. There's the pitch for that. So last week we did our book club. That was a lot of fun. The next book club's coming up in a few weeks. Uh, Nassim Nicholas Taleb, uh, Black Swan is the name of that book. That'll be coming up in four weeks or so. And today we are back to the standard bootcamp original patented idea here where one of us has an idea. The other three have no idea what it is. Kind of like in a therapy session when the therapist has no idea what what a client might serve up. We call it the ambush. And tonight's ambush is coming from who? me. From Joe. Right on. I love a good Joanna ambush. So whenever you're ready, Joe, send it on down south of the border here, and we will get uh, hopping onto this ambush tonight. All right, it's on its way. Keeping it simple. Well, maybe hey not guys. simple to some, but we'll see. Sleep hygiene seven. Okay, another one on sleep hygiene. <laughs> another one. Self-care six. Self-care six, toxic masculinity two. No, this is okay. All right, brain people. You ready? Oh no, this is for SIBO. Mm-hmm. What are some common thinking traps or oh. cognitive distortions? And what can we do about them? Should we just like go around in a circle and everyone say one until we run out of them? Sure. <laughs> Try to keep it, you know what, we talk a lot about thinking and kind of some of the negative thinking traps or as we I kind of use the negative or thinking traps and distortions uh, synonymously there but um it's common in regards to cognitive behavioral therapy or trying to help us kind of be aware and challenge um some thought patterns that we might not realize are going on so I figured we refer to some of this stuff in different podcasts but just to kind of simplify it we kind of have some go-to's and name them and kind of and then what can people do once they know what these are? I think that's a great one. Great one. So there you oh, go. God. All right. Okay. We're, we're still going to have to define our terms a little bit, though, because yeah. these are these are cool terms that uh, that folks working in mental health, we may be familiar with these, but they're not really all that common. Cognitive distortion is is one that we should probably unpack a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. So cognitive distortion, uh, cognition has to do with thinking. That's, that's think of the cogs of your brain, right? Your, your whatever thinking uh, that's taking place is, is your cognition. And then the distortion, so we're basically talking about faulty thinking, you know, things that are thoughts that maybe are not, uh, and it, what makes them flawed or faulty is the fact that they're not really working for you. And they're, they're, they're mm-hmm. kind of out of, they're not really based in reality and they're probably working against you somehow. So they, yeah, they might tend to be more irrational or they mm-hmm. might be exaggerated. So it might be some semblance of truth, but they're just blown out of proportion or things that are really minimized. So there's a bit of a, yeah, a few different things there. Yeah. We should also mention too that again, mindfulness comes in here where we have to notice the thoughts that pop into our minds, right? As we've talked about before, the first thought that pops into our minds, we often can't really control that. It's the second thought we choose to have is where the growth takes place. I know for a good portion of my life, I didn't realize I was thinking in distorted ways. Those thoughts would pop up, I'd believe them, and they would impact the way that I feel and the way that I act, right? So we have this deeper part of our minds that can notice the thoughts popping into our minds, right? If that makes sense. So um, if you are trying to focus on what I'm saying right now and you keep on thinking of uh, what you're going to do for the weekend coming up, you can catch yourself and say, oh, okay, I got to focus back on whatever this guy is talking about. That part of yourself that catches yourself thinking a certain way is actually who you are, that deeper part of yourself, the traits, the characteristics, the values that you have. That kind of makes sense? Yeah. Yeah. That's me. 
Okay. Okay. All right. Well, what are some common cognitive distortions? We'll, we'll talk about that first, and then we'll talk about what we could do about it. But what are some that, uh, that generally come to mind? Whether you deal with them or not, personally. <laughs> um, I can kick us off to like overgeneralization. So I, I was thinking of, too. <laughs> uh, so you might hear the terms like, I think that's where you hear like always or never. Um, and so it's like, oh man, it could be, you know, someone cuts in front of you in the traffic and you're like, people are always cutting me off or just my luck. I'm always getting stuck in traffic or I'm always hitting the roadblocks or I'm, you know, oh, I never get picked for, to play yeah. on the team for. So it's kind of taking a situation and you generate, you overgeneralize it, giving it more credit and think it happens a lot more often than it actually does. So when you actually take a step back and you're like, well, actually it doesn't always happen to me and maybe it's happened just, you know, so always mm -hmm. or never are common there. Mm -hmm. And the reason that it's kind of distorted is because genuinely that's just not true. Like it's not every single time that you're driving that someone mm -hmm. has cut you off in your life. Mm -hmm. yeah. So as those right. words themselves are quite absolutes, right? To always or never have something happen to you is actually quite rare. Now, I mean, it, interestingly, I mean, the way that our brain works you probably remember those incidents when you've been cut off more, you know, more readily, right? You probably recall, oh, I was cut off and I was cut off last week and cut off three weeks ago. Cause those moments stir up some emotion. They're kind of anxiety provoking like, ah, that here, that's happening again. But, but then you make this cognitive leap and say, this always happens to me. And you're mm -hmm. not really remembering all of those nice peaceful drives that you've had in the meantime, right? Mm -hmm. All those times when that didn't happen and people were kind and friendly on the road. You're not thinking about that. You just remember mm -hmm. the ones yeah. that are negative. And then it's you get gun. all riled up and angry, right? Mm -hmm. And then that, that could impact your behaviors. Yeah. It's a darn negativity bias, but the brain loves to uh, create themes, right? Oh, I love it. For efficiency purposes. But usually each of those scenarios had unique qualities to them. Oh, speaking of the driving thing, and I know we've talked about this before, but it's it's a com it's a it's sort of a problem down in, in my area here, which is the the people on the weekend, like packs of of cyclists on the road, people riding their bikes, riding bicycles, you know, lycra, all the all that stuff on the side of the road. It's a big deal in this area. Um, there's oftentimes a lot of conflict between dry automobile drivers and the cyclists. Um, they're both they both kind of hate each other. Because you know the, the the bikers are mad that the uh, the cars are, are you know don't pay enough attention or not giving them enough space on the road and and the car drivers are often mad that the bicyclists don't stop for stop signs and they're you know can be inconsiderate in their own right. Um, but people, this overgeneralization happens a lot because people can think of that one time when someone swerved in front of them and they're thinking ah. Every biker is a jerk, you know, or every automobile, every car driver is a jerk on a Saturday. And really, though, it's a small percentage of the time that that actually happens. Mm -hmm. um, but that's that's just one that I think of that, that is, is common. But, you know, this, this sort of thing happens, of course, in relationships frequently. Mm -hmm. You know, you mm -hmm. always or you never let me do what I want to do. Or you always criticize me in public or you always this. And that's certainly uh, fodder for a lot of, for many, a couples therapy session, for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and just, well, I guess one that I think is kind of similar to that um, is kind of the all or nothing thinking, like the black and white thinking. Yeah. So that's another kind of, um, kind of thinking in extreme. So it's, you might, you might hear the never in there, but it could be never or, um, mm -hmm uh it could be like there's just no shades of gray you're either a success or a failure it could be it as either great or horrible um and so that that's another one that can be your really only fo yeah so and that one's tricky for habit changing right like so if somebody a common example for that one is like oh i was trying to eat healthier and i had a piece of birthday cake at worker 
a cookie at school or whatever it is. Well, I blew my diet for today. So I'm just gonna, it's a write-off anyway. So now I'm just gonna do all these other things. I'm not gonna care because I blew it, right? Yeah. When you can say, hey, it's okay. You, you can have a cookie or a piece of cake and that doesn't blow the day. Yeah. So that it happens often in there, I think, or regimes like trying to get into a workout or mm-hmm. all of a sudden like, oh, I didn't do it. So now I suck. And now I'm not going to do it. And now I'm going to have to start over. Yep. And you could find it with perfectionism a little bit, right? If you, or even just if you're really hard on yourself around a test, I got like mm-hmm. one wrong, you know, I messed up where, you know, you're kind of, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. I think if you do one thing off than what you plan to do, or you can see that as a, a failure as well. And perfection, it's true, Joanna, perfectionism. A lot of my clients with perfectionism who are in high school uh, or college with their note taking, and they will take like scratch notes, but then they're going to rewrite those notes. And if they look funny or if it's not highlighted how they want or something, they're going to do it again mm-hmm. because it's not right. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's like the notes aren't good because it's not perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All or nothing, right? Yeah. There's there's the other trap there too, Brooke. I don't know if you're mentioning food and and this can happen with uh, drinking or other things that people, other sort of habits that people are trying to either avoid or uh, or moderate somehow. Someone says, "Okay, I, I slipped. I had a little bit of of cake, so now." Who cares? It's a free for all, you know. Exactly. And now I'm gonna just—it's a—I'm off the diet now, so I can just do whatever I want, right? Yeah. And then they feel worse about it afterwards. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Another common ones—they're kind of related together a little bit, but mind reading or future telling. So they're separate ones, but somewhat similar. So mind reading is when you're assuming what another person is thinking when you don't have any evidence. Because as far as I know, none of us can actually read other people's minds as much as general public seems to think therapists can't. Uh, we can't. We can't read another person's mind. Um, and future telling is assuming a negative outcome without any evidence. Yeah, so I often call uh, call it fortune telling as well, like the what ifs that pop into our minds, right? Yeah. And it's often the essence of anxiety. We can, we're very creative when it comes to all the awful things that may happen in the future. We overestimate the likelihood of those bad things. Of course, things tend to work out better than we anticipate them. Yeah. And a lot of where we hear that mind reading come in is like, yeah, gosh, it happens to all of us, but teens especially could be like, you thinking that they're being judged when they're not like, oh, they're looking over at me. Um, Or, you know, what they must've been thinking, they must've been judging my outfit. Um, or they give me a weird look, they must've been thinking something negative, or even if you get a text and, or you don't get a text and your friend's delayed, you might jump to a conclusion or, um, you know, that they're upset with you and you actually, it's not based on anything. You're just assuming. And that's a bit of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mind reading, jumping. Yeah. I would assume Ryan, you do more couples work than I think the rest of us, maybe Chris, you too, but I would assume it happens in couples a lot as well, where they're assuming what the partner is thinking when really you have no idea what that person is thinking. Like, sure, you know a person, so you know their patterns and routines and things, but often we're just projecting our insecurities and assuming our negative thought is their thought. Uh, in, in couples therapy, yes, that, that can happen both ways. It happens, one negative is when someone thinks that they are able to, to fortune tell or, or read the mind of their partner. The other that I encounter just as often is when someone uh, believes that the other partner should be able to read their mind, right? Like, like, oh, well, you know, well, it was my mother calling. So you should have known I wouldn't have wanted to go to the store, you know, whatever that is. And like, mm. why can't you read my mind? Right. And mm. that's, uh, it's a wish, you know, a lot of people have that wish that we will be so connected, we'll be so uh, intimate on such a level that, I don't even have to tell you what I want. You're just going to have, you're just going to know that. Mm. And if, uh, and if you don't know it, then I'll be mad at you. <laughs> yeah. That. Good point. So it's either the, the uh, you know, assuming the person can read your mind. Mm-hmm. is oh, can lead to a lot of issues as well. Yeah. yeah. 
you know, we don't like to be judged as human beings. And if someone random out there is in fact judging you, if you actually find out that they are judging you, I know it sounds kind of cliche, but it says a bit more about them than it says about you. I doubt it's an isolated situation. And uh, so I doubt they're just judging you. And if they keep that up, if they don't have the awareness to, to, to make that shift, then it's probably not going to work out super well for them, right? But I bet you, when you assume someone is uh, judging you, they're probably caught up in their own thoughts and their own insecurities, because that's mm-hmm. what people are, are often doing, right? Mm-hmm. I remember uh, I used to work at a, an agency and the manager walked right down the hallway. She didn't say hi to anyone, um, myself or the colleagues. And my automatic thought was, you know, what's going on? Is she, is she uh, upset at my, the last report I did? And or whatever it might have been. So it's an automatic thought. And of course, I find out later on that has absolutely nothing to do with myself or my colleagues. Um, There's a personal matter that was going on, right? So I read those cues and I assumed it was uh, about myself or my other colleagues when it, when it wasn't, right? So it can happen very, very easily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm going to show you guys something really quick here. You see this? Ooh, a bubble marble. It's a bubble marble. This was given to me by a, uh, a former supervisee several years ago, someone I was supervising. And we used to talk a lot about mind reading and about just this very concept that, that we can't read each other's minds. Therapists don't read minds. We don't have a crystal ball, right? So at the end of this person's supervision, they gave me a gift, which was this kind of crystal ball. Yeah, <laughs> great. So you can read That's people's nice. minds. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, That's with so the, the future telling, the crystal ball one, that one as well, Chris, I know you mentioned the what ifs, but it's also um, not just worrying, like what if this would happen, but like genuinely believing that a negative outcome will happen. Like, so studying, 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 um, or trying to get something done for school. And, uh, and it's not even what if I fail, it's I'm going to fail. Mm-hmm. There is mm-hmm. like a strong belief that this negative thing will happen um, when really we, we don't know, but it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy if you're getting caught in it because then yeah. you're distracted from what you're supposed to do. And then, yeah. Yeah. No, good point. For sure. How about um, uh, personalizing or blaming? So the kind of two ends of a spectrum, right? So if a issue, uh, happens then personalizing would be you put too much of the blame on yourself you don't see how how other people's attitudes or behaviors uh, led to the issue and then the other side of the spectrum would be blaming others and not taking any responsibility for the situation at all right Um, i find that that comes up a lot with people too Mm -hmm. um i would say blaming pointing the finger and not taking any ownership or autonomy for for what's going on within your life is often a huge red flag we see in, uh, in our therapy sessions. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say the same about um, personalization, right? Like I see a lot, I don't, I'm not sure if they're tied to gender. I don't think so. Cause I can recall both genders doing both of them, but kind of like um, depending on what your previous experiences were and how you interpret those or perceive those you might do one or both of those in different circumstances. But I think I see both equally because there seems to be this over, uh, over apologetic piece, which is funny for Canadians to- I was just gonna say, to. I think oh, personalization is okay. a Canadian thing and blaming is an American thing. <laughs> you know, but yeah, just this constant like, That's I'm a sorry, generalization. are you mad at me? Like, it's okay if you tell me and like, I'm sorry, it's my fault, but they have no idea what they're apologizing for or they're over taking ownership when they don't need to take that ownership because they, they feel that they themselves have done something wrong when they haven't. Yeah. And then yes. the finger wag, the blame. Yes. Magnification or, or also known as catastrophizing and on the flip side, minimization. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, yeah, I think it could be referred to as a binocular um, kind of uh, trick, but essentially it could be, so you might, it's either minimizing or exaggerating the importance um, or meaning of something. So it could be, so there could be like, if I'm an athlete and I'm playing softball and I like 
made a mistake, I could exaggerate that mistake and think I'm the worst player ever, worst teammate ever. Um, and on the flip side, if I won an award, an MVP, I would minimize that importance of that and be like, well, I'm, you know, it was my lucky day or, um, you know, I'm actually not that good. So, um, yeah, using sports for that same thing, but yeah. So catastrophizing, making something a lot bigger, exaggerated than it is. Um, and then minimizing. So yeah, kind of that worst case scenario thinking with catastrophizing, right? So, um, I work with a lot with teens. So a lot of my examples are going to be with teens, but yeah. if it's a teenage girl and use, or if somebody has left someone on red, Mm -hmm. That really seems to irk folks. So you can see they read your text message, but they didn't send you one back. And now it's like that they're scheming against you, that they hate you, that you did something wrong, that whatever. And then the next day you find out their battery died or their parents took their phone away or whatever it was, right? Mm -hmm. Like it, it but it blew up in your mind as like, this is the worst case scenario. And often for my clients, when they, blow it up that leads like into a spiral of like high anxiety, panic type symptoms, difficulty yeah. breathing and getting words out and tearfulness and just disarray. I see this with some folks who actually, you know, they reach from other areas of their life as well, right? So, so you receive a rejection here and then it's like, so I was rejected by this person and I have this bill that I have to pay and my tires flat on my car and uh, my cholesterol is high. So it's like all these different things. It's like they've been kind of, kind of collecting these, uh, problems almost. And, and now I'm going to focus on all of them at once and look at how horrible my life is in total. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and really what that ends up doing is just incapacitating someone. It's overwhelming, right? I, I can't possibly tackle these 12 different problems at once and, it's a, yeah. it's a distortion. All right. And it's, it certainly becomes a crisis or big time or a doom bad on that test mark. And you're worried that your life is life is over. You're mm -hmm. not going to, you know, fill that course. You're not going to get into that university program that you want. You're never going to have that career. You live under a bridge. Your life is ruined as extreme as that sounds. It actually resonates a lot with people. Mm -hmm. Your mind can get there pretty darn quickly. Right. Mm -hmm. then, or even like to mix some all together. Um, an adult who your boss has asked you to come in for a meeting and they don't tell you any other details. They just ask, say, Hey, I want you to come in for a one-on-one. -on -one. Let's meet tomorrow morning. First thing in the morning. And then what happens? It's like jumping to conclusions, fortune telling. Yeah. Jump to conclusions, fortune telling, catastrophizing. This is the worst thing ever. I'm going to lose my job. And then all these things are going to happen. And woo! yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like uh, catastrophizing is, those what if fortune telling on steroids a little bit, right? The, the minimizing, um, Joanna's example, I often call it disqualifying the positive. If someone gives you a, a compliment that you downplay it or, or again, um, say it's not a big deal and whatnot. Another way of looking at minimizing is if something intensive does take place, you, you really downplay it, right? So if you have a significant loss in your life, you're like, no, I'm fine. It's okay. Mm -hmm. I'll go back to work. Um, no, I can still do all these things that I was doing before. So um, kind of uh, minimizing it in a very disproportionate or in intensive way. Mm -hmm. Other people have it worse off than me. Other yeah, that well, that's way. a big one. When sure. I can, you know, what about all these other people that are struggling in the world? Or if I think about these different populations of people, or um, if somebody is, let's say it's, um abuse and now part of that is looking at well at least it wasn't this severe or that severe or mm. yeah is that all part of minimizing that's that's a, it's a really problematic for a lot of folks especially seeking help right like i don't deserve to seek help because mm -hmm. i've only it, it experienced this much loss and there are people out there who've experienced a whole lot more loss than me mm -hmm. and i like to I, I try to tell people that it's all relative i mean loss is loss i mean mm -hmm. you need to work on this absolutely you have the means go for it but some people really want to or the distortion i guess tells them they shouldn't because other people need it more yeah yeah no, which whether sure. or not that's a protective strategy maybe they're just not quite ready to face what's happened or come to acceptance and that could be some big and scary things to face right 
if you see it for what it is versus minimizing it. So it could be a bit protective. Yeah, big time. Another common distortion is uh, that might be called different things, but the woulda, coulda, shoulda thoughts. The shooting on yourself. Yeah. Easy. What job. did you say, Joanna? Did you say it? We have to make this an explicit yeah. podcast now. What's or going the on? other it's one, don't be a masturbator. What? <laughs> yeah, that's the one. I don't use that one in therapy much. I go with the shit on yourself. Yeah. Oh, should. Yeah. You said should. Oh, okay. yeah, You're yeah. shooting all over yourself. Yeah. Don't be a masturbator. <laughs> oh, therapy jokes. Oh, uh, yes. So what is that one, Chris? Of course, it's uh, reflecting on past situations. We often, uh, yeah, plague ourselves with all the things we should have done differently. Of course, unless you have that time machine, you cannot go back and change it. Um, we want to learn from it. We want to reflect on maybe certain mistakes that we've made, but eventually we got to focus on the only moment we have control over. Here and Here now. now. And uh, I, oh. I know we're not really at the treatment phase here, but I'm just going to share it while it's on my mind. Phrase that I say almost every day in therapy to, to some clients, it's I made the best decision with the information I had at the time. Yeah. And that mm-hmm. that's that's the regret buster right there. That little yeah. phrase. I made the best decision with the information I had at the time because it's true. It's not like you were in this decision in this decision making position and you're like, how can I make a bad decision for myself? No, you used your information, you made a choice. Mm-hmm. It was based on the information you had, it was the best one you could make. Yes, now that you have a ton more information and more time has passed, maybe you would make a, di- a different decision. But at that time, that's all you had. So yeah, give yourself totally. a pass on that one, right? But, but also like there's, the, there might be emotion involved too. So you made the best decision you could under the, circum- the emotional sure. circumstances, right? Absolutely. And I, well, at least in what I think too, is that not only about past stuff, I should have done this, but it's, um, I should be doing this or I should be mm. able to do mm-hmm. this fine. Or I should be able to do with my anxiety better. Or I shouldn't yeah. have a problem with this or, you know, I have to like those musts a little bit. And I think we got to be careful because when we say we should have to do something, it's um, if we don't do that, if we set an expectation for ourselves that we don't meet, it can lead to a lot of guilt and shame. And I think if we put shoulds onto other people, it could also lead to expectations that don't get met and it might lead to blame and anger. So mm-hmm. I think it's, it's um, I think reflecting backwards, but also when clients are stuck in this, I should be able to cope with this better. I shouldn't be bothered by this anymore. Um, it's kind of asking them, well, it says who, and let's meet you where you're at. And um, let's kind of look at your expectations and how you're measuring this a little bit. So I agree. Yeah. also shows a little bit about that rigidity versus flexibility. Mm-hmm. Like if they're really kind of stuck on that should it's well you're not giving yourself a lot of wiggle room or grace on this nope um we have to be flexible it's not always going to go a certain way rarely is it going to go a certain way right yeah so yeah yeah Yeah. i uh, I have weird metaphors right um so i often use cupcakes these days uh yep cupcakes are my metaphors so the one last week with the cupcake i was like okay so you are the perfect cupcake ingredients perfectly portioned, but we're going to put you in an oven at 550 degrees for 20 minutes. What's going to happen to the cupcake? It's going to burn because the conditions, right? Like, and so if you're, and if we put you at hundred degrees and we put you in there for 10 minutes, what's going to happen? You're going to suck because like the, the environment, there's circumstances at play here. Right. So for you to say, I should be the most perfect cupcake is ridiculous. Wait a minute. Is there something? Oh. I, I just quick side note here. When you cook cupcakes, are you cooking in Celsius or Fahrenheit? <laughs> uh, what, what, what one is it? Fahrenheit? Is that what we do? Celsius. Uh, no, you, I think it's 350. 350 Fahrenheit. Oh, okay. oh, Fahrenheit. Fahrenheit. That's what we cook stuff. You know, that's a right. Lot of, yeah. Like yeah, 500, 500 Fahrenheit is, you know, is, warm. <laughs> that's hot it's a hot pizza but 500 celsius would be ridiculous right well it's oh, it's celsius then because five 500 or 550 is for broil oh, but i still 
I think it is Fahrenheit. No, it is Fahrenheit. We, we use Fahrenheit. Yeah, we use Celsius for like temperature, like yeah. outside temperature. Temperature. But I think our <laughs> ovens are. Uh, Your ovens are at Fahrenheit. Oh my gosh, so. that's wild. Yeah, hey, guys, it's Fahrenheit. It's funny that none of us know. We're like, I don't know. I just put it on three fifty. <laughs> uh, but yeah, when you said that, I'm like, that that fits for us. But whenever you and I discuss how warm it is outside. You know, you're like, oh, it's 14 and I'm like, it's 70. So but we really switch back and forth. Same with like, just side note for American Canadian stuff, or at least BC. If somebody talks about their weight, we talk in pounds. Mm-hmm. Oh. Or if somebody talks about their height, we're talking inches, typically. Feet, yeah. Inches, okay. Feet. Sorry, yeah. We're talking feet and inches, not um, centimeters, yeah. right? Oh, wow. Yeah, you guys. So definitely spend, we're Fahrenheit. Yeah, yeah. we're fair. Yeah. Anyway. You're Fahrenheit, unless you're talking about how warm it is outside, in which case you're all Celsius. Yep. Yeah, it's very confusing. Oh, you guys. It's amazing how things can be lost in communication, you know? All these different perceptions that we have, like temperature. <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, that's, my, that's my should and cupcake metaphor. Yeah. Well, here's what I think. Here's what I think, everybody, because my opinion matters that much. Everybody which be is, quiet. Ryan's talking. Ryan's talking. Talk I'm gonna say, I think the United States should get with the rest of the world and join the metric system. And you guys, you're you're, you're being very sympathetic and kind and, and agreeing to, to our feet and inches and our, our cooking temperatures, but we should all just get on the metric system. Let's just do it. Come on. That would... That would solve so many distortions what yeah. chris you know it's interesting the the shoulds you put on elements of your life you have no control over right right so yeah. that could cause a lot of distress for you if this yeah. is you're super passionate about it but it'd be pretty tough for you to make that change yourself i guess there would be a route you can allocate a lot of time and energy to advocating for that but like hey. time change all the advocacy yeah. for time change for eliminating the, the daylight savings time, all that? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I'm with you. Okay, let's get back on track. Are there any other cognitive distortions we need to uh, address? I'm trying to think what's normally... Um, get some good ones here. Labeling. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, labeling essentially is name-calling yourself or others. It's um, like I'm a failure, a loser. I'm stupid, or, or vice versa, name-calling other people. Um, oh, my boss called me into his office, he's such a jerk or whatever it might be. And yeah. I think it's just, especially for yourself, reminding like, just, you know, you can do something, but it doesn't mean you are. Like if you accidentally hurt someone, it doesn't mean you're, you know, um, a horrible friend or something. I don't know. It's just almost like a, hmm. Almost a personalization of it. Yeah. I, really I think, yeah. I, I think this one is your behavior. Yeah. I think this one is gigantic. And what I often do with clients is I break this one down and we look at a lot of these negative self-beliefs. So the thoughts that we have about ourselves and there's probably like 20 or 30 common thoughts like that. It's actually in our boot camp as well. Mm-hmm. We, we explore some of those negative self-beliefs, but we can be extremely critical of ourselves. And sometimes those underlying beliefs, um, you know, they pop into our minds constantly and impact our ability to, to, Uh, engage in life and achieve various goals that we have for ourselves right Mm -hmm. so we have this this thought you know sometimes we have beautiful thoughts we're blown away by our intellect and creativity but oftentimes we have these really awful mean thoughts to ourselves and because these thoughts are happening within our own minds we believe it because we're the ones thinking it but we shouldn't right i like to use the example of if i followed around one day it's that half the stuff you say to yourself so so imagine that ryan like i followed you around one day at your house in your office just going, you're not good enough. You're a failure. Something bad's going to happen. I bet within seconds or minutes, you turn around and say, hey, leave me alone. But when these thoughts are happening within our own minds, we tend to believe it because again, we're the ones thinking it, right? It's true. That's a good one, Chris. You have to be very aware of the thoughts, these negative beliefs and judgments, right? Definitely. I think the only other one I could think of is like mental filter. So it tends to be um yeah so it could just be kind of just yeah what it sounds like we're only kind of I guess it could go both ways actually I tend to talk about it more when it comes to just filtering noticing the negative stuff so you're kind of just 
yeah, it's almost like tunnel vision. If you're kind of in that uh, state of mind, you're only gonna, you know, if today's gonna be a bad day. You're only gonna really notice the things that uh, confirm that for you or um, only notice the bad parts of your day, right? Mm-hmm. Um, goodness, it's kind of like the negativity bias Chris talked about us humans having. So the typical of nine good things happen to you today and one negative thing, what are you gonna focus on? It's that negative thing. Um, whereas if you actually look for it, there's so many little pops of color and positivity in our days. But when we're in that mental state, that mental filter, negatively uh, biased, it's, uh, yeah, we're kind of got to be aware of that. Um, I believe it could go the other way too. I just don't talk too much about that. Do you guys talk much about the really only focusing on positive and that kind of leads to maybe not necessarily accounting for things? Um, Yeah, almost like irrationally positive no we kind we addressed a little positivity. bit of that yeah talks about positivity positive, a little yeah. while ago yeah. talked a little bit about that yeah which could about. go into minimizing a little bit too yeah. But, yeah. yeah i also had um emotional reasoning that one gets thrown yep. around sometime emotional reasoning is when we feel a certain way about a thing so we assume that it is that so the example in the handout i use all the time is like i have a fear of flying therefore planes aren't safe uh-huh. yeah yeah, for sure. Ah. That comes up quite a bit. Or I feel, therefore, it must be. Yes. Yeah. I feel, therefore, it must be. It's guiding your interpretation of your reality. Yeah. 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 Another one, I know this is kind of rapid fire before we get into the how to, what to do with these thoughts is social comparison. We tend to compare ourselves to how other people are doing. It's a very innate thing that we do. Yeah. Um, underestimating yeah. abilities, unrelenting standards. Um, those are the main ones that I tend to explore. Yeah. So what can we do, guys? What can we do about this stuff? I mean, there's so many. What's great about this topic, Joanna, is that there's a lot of self-help out there for this. Mm. Um, there's there's tons of resources and handouts and workbooks and um, different things that you can look up as a as a reader uh or a client name a couple name name one or two just while we're at it so the handout i use is it's a canadian company it's a free website like with downloadable handouts so it's called here to help and it goes it's just a really simple handout about like healthy thinking patterns so it goes over the cognitive distortion so many of them that we talked about today i think they go over eight of them and then the next page they talk about um how to challenge those. So just making a thought graph. So identifying your thought, what is the, like, what's the situation that happened? What is the negative thought I had? What negative distorted thinking trap am I falling into? How am I going to challenge the thought? And they give you four different options on how to challenge it. And then how do I create a new balanced thought? And so it walks through that process. And so other resources out there. So this is very common in the line of like, cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT. So a lot of CBT handouts, books, resources will go over this on how to start challenging your negative thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in our bootcamp as well, I compiled 40 questions you can use to help uh, confront um, some of these negative thoughts. For instance, um, is there objective evidence this thought is not true? What would I tell a friend or family member if they're having this thought? Would this would this thought stand up in the court of law or be dismissed as circumstantial? So there's lots of ways in which you can quickly and concisely try to challenge and kind of reframe that thought, right? Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah. like the common ones, like uh, what's the evidence against this thought? Like why is this thought not true? So you want to come generate as much of that as possible. Um, am I holding a double standard to myself compared to other people? Like so, if my friend. Or, mm-hmm. Sorry, just before the evidence one though. There, there's some where you can actually, there is some evidence for it sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. You're like, it makes sense I'm thinking this because it's happened to me before, right? Mm-hmm. But it's good to be like, okay, hey, well, there is a bit of evidence for it. Maybe that's what's feeding into this. But I also know that there's a lot of evidence that this is actually not going to happen. And I, so it's almost, you know, so it's almost like a yeah. validating this a bit, but I also, it's not the full distortion. Or it's not what I fear it's going to be. Absolutely. Understanding how that pattern came to be is really yeah. important. Yeah. And then, yeah, trying to find that evidence against the double standard. Would I, if this was a friend, what would I think about that? Like, would I agree with them or not? 
a survey method. So if, if you were to imaginarily go out into the world and survey 100 people that know you, would they agree with you or not? Um, and you can even like an experiment method, like actually challenge it. Like, so if you think that nobody wants to hang out with you, so you message 10 people to hang out and chances are someone's gonna be like, sure, let's hang out. You, you like literally act on that, like challenge that. Yeah. I think besides cognitive reframing, um, there's a couple other ways in which we can um, respond to these thoughts. One is what I call like pivot to positivity. So maybe just repeat a mantra, like um, let it go, the wise words of Queen Elsa or, or focus or, um, or think of something you're grateful for or something you're looking forward to. Or um, So again, quick and concise, as well as mindfulness is in itself a, a technique for responding to these thoughts. So notice, noticing the thoughts, non-judgmentally, curiosity and focusing back on the moment and uh, I'm sure Ryan's going to say something next about maybe um, building some awareness and maybe why those thoughts are there. Um, maybe delving into it a bit through writing or through, you know, therapeutically. Yeah. Are you mind reading, Chris? Are you trying to like... <laughs> Are you fortune telling? Are you fortune telling, predicting the future? I know that doesn't really, yeah. yeah. I, I'm always a big fan of raising awareness and trying to figure out. I, I, I always like to take a look at where do these where are these coming from? Like, what's the, what's the why of, of these things? Where do they originate? And, uh, and honestly, when I'm working with clients and they have some of these, these thoughts, these maybe distorted thoughts or these kind of intrusive thoughts, we might say they, they're intruding upon your mind. Like you feel like, gosh, I wish these weren't here. I'll ask people, what is, what do they remind you of? What is this, this, this voice or these thoughts? What, whose voice do they remind you of? And sometimes you'll find there's a there's a you know a critical uh, relative or teacher or coach or friend or someone in their past where this voice really kind of embodies that or kind of takes over that that voice uh, for them. Like oh yeah, I had this this babysitter who was always so critical of me, and now I find myself talking to myself in that same way or a parent or school teacher or something like that. So. Sometimes that helps people to, to realize that just that awareness alone can help people see, oh, that was then, this is now. That's, I don't need to listen to that any longer. That voice belongs to this person from 20 years ago. It doesn't have to apply to my life right now. And sometimes that's, that's enough to kind of unhook from that, uh, that place. Because oftentimes, the, the, one, of the, one of the, I think you we would all agree that one of the biggest problems with the cognitive distortions is that we believe them. Mm -hmm. it's, it's problematic when we believe them and when we can actually distance ourselves from them and say, oh, that's just a, a falsehood. That's just a, you know, something that's uh, a, a lie that's coming my way, then it's easier to dismiss and you don't have to hold on to it. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, just having that awareness that they're even distortions at all. Like, yeah. Like, well, people might listen to this and be like, whoa, I have no idea. And no wonder like that probably feeds into, you know, problematic situations, or I'm not feeling great after that, or um, right. uh, thinking in shades of gray will help with a bit of the extremes, uh, or the all or nothing thinking. So if, you know, uh, one suggestion on a handout I've used is like thinking of things on a range of zero to 100. So if you didn't fully have success or with a project, you can look at it as like a number versus I did horrible, it could be well, I had partial success. It wasn't just all terrible. There were some good in there. So make it more of thinking in more shades gray if you have trouble kind of, um, yeah, seeing that in the middle, you're either on one end or the other. You can also bring out that bossy side of you and um, let those thoughts, like when they pop up, acknowledge them and literally tell them to stop. So mm -hmm. it is called thought stopping, right? To acknowledge the thought and be like, stop. This is unhelpful. Mm -hmm go away. You're not needed here. Mm -hmm. And you tell that thought to go away. So that one's really good, especially if you don't have time in that moment to like process, like mm -hmm. if you're at work, if you're out with your friends and all of a sudden these things start, these thoughts start coming in, that's probably not the time where you're going to be able to pull out your journal no. and do a reflection exercise or, 
you know, graph and, and challenge the negative thought. So in that moment, you might need, might need to just catch yourself and say, hey, stop, you're not helpful right now. You need to go. Yeah. Or on that same thing, if, you know, if it keeps coming, another thing you could try is um, like a container exercise. So imagine an imaginary container, it could be any size you want, but just make sure it has a lid on it, ideally a lock. Um, but you can just mentally put those thoughts in and you'll, you'll pay attention to them later. You'll get to it later, but right now you can't. So it kind of is this trying to, instead of a bunch of like chickens running wild, like all these thoughts is running rampant. It's like putting them in little cages and being like, okay, I see you. I'm going to organize you a little bit. I'm going to decide which ones are needed and not. Um, yeah. At another time, if I can't do it right now. Yeah. And another reminder too, is it sometimes it's tough to do these cognitive exercises when you're feeling escalated. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's where yeah. it might actually be best to do something behavioral first, something to calm yourself down. Yeah. Yeah. If you're in a very emotional state, you're probably, yeah. yeah good hard luck. To think you're rationally. Gonna, yeah. You're going to get pulled into a mental tug of war and you're going to take the bait and spiral. So instead it's probably best just to do something to calm yourself down. I think that's really important, Chris. Well, thanks, Joe. You're welcome. <laughs> Nothing else you said, just that. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I did it. <laughs> have we wrapped it up? Have we have we covered our distortions here? I think yes? we've done a pretty good job. I don't know. I think that there's a wealth of knowledge out there for people who Yeah. You know. Yeah, we're we're pretty sharp tonight. Maybe we should move our uh our recording to Tuesday nights instead of uh, Thursday nights, eh? My goodness. Yes, you guys are on the ball. Or maybe we should just talk about CBT topics all the time. <laughs> I know, that's why it's like, oh, Chris, yeah, we all, the three of us are kind of like, yep. Incorporate that regularly, yep. It's good stuff. Wow. Well, great. Uh, you mentioned, uh, we, we were talking about resources. You mentioned your, your resource from Canada, Here to Help. Um, I also think of the, and we mentioned this when we talked about uh, books a few episodes ago, but uh, the Anxiety and Phobia Workbook is another great Ooh, one for yeah, just huge. addressing yeah. a lot of these uh, cognitive distortions and getting yeah. into the, the CBT stuff. Yeah. Um, I, anxietycanada.com, um, or yeah. Um, so it's a great site. So if any individuals need support around anxiety specifically, there's a lot of resources and they do go through negative thinking traps on there as well as they have a part um, a PDF that you can just helpful, kind of the questions we went over a little bit, trying to identify what the distortion is um, as well as like, yeah, what's the evidence, et cetera, other questions to ask yourself, but they yeah. kind of talk about that. Um, I have a little book here I've gotten recently. It's called Anxiety Relief for Teens. And it's essential CBT skills and mindfulness practices to overcome anxiety and stress by uh, Regine Galanti. And she's a doc, she has a doctorate. Um, anyways, I think it has a lot of great mindfulness things. It goes through distortions. It's some practical stuff in here. And I've been using it quite a bit with clients. So great. Mm -hmm. Look at this wealth of knowledge. This is awesome. Great guys. Well, Let's wrap it up for tonight. Sounds good. I, I feel much clearer. I feel like I'm cognitively more clear than we were before. So like and subscribe on Apple, Google, Podbean, Audible, Spotify, Stitcher, or YouTube. You can see my crystal ball on YouTube if you watch tonight. Um, send your questions to info at mentalhealthbootcamp.com. Visit us on Facebook or Instagram. Tell a friend or two. Actually, using a, a, a distortion here, tell all of your friends. Tell every everyone, one. every single one of them. Tell every friend that you have about us. That and, they uh, must listen. Yeah. They should yeah. listen. <laughs> right. Telling everyone, that's not necessarily a distortion. <laughs> that's right. But also be kind to yourself because these are common distortions and thinking traps for a reason. And mm -hmm. all of us here, we can probably identify many of these uh, constantly that we've been into so this is not you're not out of the ordinary this is so many people if not everyone struggles with these so it's just awareness and acknowledgement is the first step mm -hmm.
great point, Joe. Thank you for that. Yeah. Okay, everybody. That is it for now. Have a good night. Bye. 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 B